pray with me as we look into God's Word again this morning. Almighty God, we want to thank you for your Word. Your Word to us is the truth, is the life, and we, we feed on it, and it, it nourishes our spirits and our souls. So as we look into it again today, we ask that you would speak into our lives right now, we pray. Spirit of God, you are the one who, who wrote these words through men and women so long ago, but you enliven them to our spirits and our souls. And so we ask that we would be open to hear from you again today. And just as Jesus, you revealed as uh, resurrected Jesus, as you walked on that Emmaus road, you explained the scriptures starting from Moses and you, you told uh, those two people that you were walking with exactly what everything meant. So reveal to us through your Holy Spirit what your word says to us today. We thank you and we praise you. We are receptive and we are, we are eager and hungry to hear your word. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said, Jesus, uh, the resurrected Jesus, he, in Luke's gospel, we see in, in, um, in Luke chapter 24 that Jesus, uh, after he'd risen from the dead, after he had revealed himself to, first to the women, he then uh, is is recorded as walking, or these disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, which is just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And they were going there, and this stranger appears next to them, and he starts to talk, and their, their hearts are burning with enthusiasm, and, and Jesus then explains all the scriptures to him. And he's about to go on, and they invite him in, and they, they still don't recognize him until he breaks bread and so on. And then all of a sudden, it's like the scales from their eyes came off and, and they could see Jesus again. And they rushed back. And the passage we're going to read today is comes straight after that, when these two, two people rush back to the rest of the disciples back in Jerusalem. And they tell them the good news and reaffirm what the women had said and, and so on, that Jesus Christ is risen and they've seen him again. The passage that we read is going to read from Luke 24. Um, beginning at, uh, where is it, Luke 24, beginning at verse 36, is, is what many describe as Luke's version, if you like, of the Great Commission. We know in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, uh, Jesus gathers them together and he says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And that, that we recognize as the Great Commission. But every Gospel writer, all four of them, have their own, if you like, versions of that Great Commission. If we look for a moment in, in Mark 16, Mark 16, uh, verse 15 to 18, it says something very similar. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And in John's Gospel that we heard last week, and Pauline uh, helped us to reflect on that passage so beautifully last week, in John uh, chapter 20, Jesus says these words, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. 
If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So each of the Gospel writers uh, gives that great commission, if you like. And here in the passage we're going to read today is Luke's account, if you like, of the Great Commission. And we're going to just pause on it and look at it in a little bit of detail after we've read it. So get your Bibles and turn with me to Luke 24. And we begin to read at verse 36. Luke 24, verse 36. While they were saying all this, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. He continued with them, Don't be upset and don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscles and bone like this. As he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. They still couldn't believe what they were saying. It was too much, it seemed, too good to be true. He asked, do you have any food here? They gave him a piece of leftover fish they hadn't cooked. He took it and ate it right before their eyes. You're the witnesses. Then he said, everything I told you while I was with you, comes to this, all the things written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets and in the Psalms have to be fulfilled. He went to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles this way. He said, you can see now how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day and then to a total life-changing through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations. Starting from here, from Jerusalem, you're the first to hear and see it. You're the witness. What comes next is very important. I'm sending what my father promised to you. So stay here on the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power from on high. Amen. So in verse 45 of this uh, chapter, Jesus says, Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. How amazing that must have been for them. Eh? And they told them, this is what was written, what is written, that, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And here's the Great Commission. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. In the same way, Jesus said, I'm going to send you out. This is my commission to you. I'm going to send you out, but you need to wait for a little while until the, the promise of the Holy Spirit is fully realized on you. But this is what I want you to do. So let's just look at that because it's the same commission that you and me, if, a, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, it's that same commission that we have that was given to these early disciples. It just continues on. Jesus says, you know, as soon as you become a believer, this is the commission I want you to do. This is what I want you to fulfill in your life. Let's look at it in a bit of detail in verse 47. He says, first of all, that the means of carrying out that great commission is for us to preach. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Preaching means proclamation. It means speaking out 
the message that Jesus Christ wants to speak to you. You know, I've heard so many times that some believers, they just say, you know, uh, well, some people have the gift of speaking. I don't. I, I'm just going to serve. I'm just going to do this and I'm going to show love in, in through my life. And that's great. But also, not only do we need to show the love of Jesus Christ throughout our lives, but Jesus specifically says, I want you to go tell people about who I am. We can't just reveal it through our lives without explaining it. You know, it's one thing for a teacher to stand up there. I remember in chemistry lessons and so on, we used to go gather around the front, uh, front bench where the teacher was and they would, you know, they would show us an experiment. But it, you wouldn't learn very much if all they ever do is just show you. It was, it's about them talking it through as they're doing and explaining what's going on and, and also explaining it on the board and so on so that we really understand what's going on and what's happening in that situation. And it's the same with people. We, we need to explain to them and help them to understand and to realise what the gospel message is. It needs to be a both and, not an either or. It's no good just speaking it if there's no actions. James said, faith without works is dead. You know, you can't just say that you have faith and you don't actually live it out. But you can't either just live it out and not speak it to people and think you're showing them the love of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I'm going to send you to go and speak. Jesus did both and. He spoke to the people, but he revealed it to the people through what he did as well. And they need to go hand in hand. They need to be a unity together. And so the means of carrying out the Great Commission, as Jesus says, is to speak. Paul says it wonderfully in Romans chapter 12, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 14. He says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, Paul just explains there that we have to explain the gospel to people. And that's the role if you're a believer of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that God is going to ask you. How well did you get on explaining the gospel to people around you? Now, what is the gospel? Well, the content, the second thing, Jesus gives to us here is repentance and forgiveness of sins. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, he says. Now, we have to think through, now, what is repentance? Well, I think of it like this. When I was uh, on holiday uh, a while ago, I was up in, uh, near Offersdyke on the border of England and Wales. And we were out in the countryside and we were walking up these narrow lanes and uh, where we were staying, we could see was way down in the valley, but we didn't really have a map. We just kind of went up some of the lanes and then took another turning and another turning and gradually climbed up the hill till we found Offa's Dyke. And then we walked along the dike for a while and then we figured we could find our way back. And we came down the hill a little ways and then there was a pathway that went either right or left. And on the, it was one of those uh, rural pathways with really high hedges either side. And so we decided to go one way and we started walking down this pathway. And the further we went down it, we realized that actually the pathway then turned and it was going further and further and further away from where we were staying and where we needed to get back to. We could see over the hedges and in the distance you know, where we needed to go, but we could not get through the hedge and cut across the field and go a direct route because, you know, there were 
there were animals in the fields and there was crops and other things there and you know the hedges were obviously there to keep you on one pathway repentance is when we it was that moment where we suddenly realized that we were going the wrong way that if we carried on in this direction we would get further and further and further away from where we needed to get to and so we came to that moment where we stopped and we said you know what i think i don't think this is going to get get us to where we need to get to i think we're just going further away from it we need to stop turn round and go back the other way and keep going that way and see whether that will get us back down to where we need to get to which is what we ended up doing and why we managed to find where we were staying again repentance is that turning around it's that change of heart or a change of direction it's a physical thing that we do and when we call people to repentance we recognize that we are on a journey and our journey is either towards God or away from God now as I explained on Easter Sunday, you know, towards God, God is holy, holy, holy. And so we can never reach God in our own of ourselves, but we need to be pointing in that direction. And naturally, we tend to do what Adam and Eve did, which was to point away. We, we say, I want to be in control of my life. I want to make the decisions. I'm going to point in the way that I want to point. Now, we can't just like on that pathway where we were up on, on the borders there, we cannot just go across the field because there's, there's things that block it. You're either going towards God or you're going away from God. And repentance is that physical and spiritual and, and uh, full body experience in a sense where you turn around and you start heading in the right direction. There's an openness and an opportunity, a willingness to go towards God. That's the part that we call people to play. We have a responsibility to be repentant and we need to help people to understand that actually as good as you may be, if you're not directly walking towards God, you're effectively walking away from Him. And if you're walking away from Him, you're going to end up in trouble. Turn and go towards God. But it says repentance and forgiveness or remission of sins. Now what is sin? Well, sin is anything that is not of God, anything that is not holy, 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 the character of who God is. And this is God's part. Now, we cannot get to God because of our sinfulness, because there are things within us that are not pure, that are not of God. And that separates us from who God is. And so while we can repent and we can face God, we can never come directly into his presence without his forgiveness. But the wonderful thing of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, which I spoke about on Easter Sunday, Tedelesta, is finished. The wonderful thing was, while we cannot give forgiveness, while we cannot um, earn our way or be good enough to get to God, Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross for us, he opened the way for us and he says, you know what? I'm going to pay the debt. And that's what forgiveness really is. In the Greek, that's what it really means. It means paying the debt. We have a debt that is so huge, so un untouchable, that we can't pay it. It would be like, it'd be like me giving you the, the, the whole debt of the United Kingdom right now. Right, The whole national debt is put into your bank account. Now, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how wealthy you might be. 
even the wealthiest person in Britain couldn't pay the British debt right now. Because it's so vast. And it's so out of control in that sense that you, there's nothing you could do. There's no job that you could have. There is no way that you could pay that debt off. So Jesus says, I'm going to pay it for you. I'm going to use the currency, the, the only currency that's accepted to pay that debt. And the thing is about, and the beautiful thing about uh, forgiveness is that then that debt is done away with. It's, it's wiped out. It's like, it's like every week, you know, on, on a Tuesday where I live, the bins come, or the, the guys that come and take the bins away. And what do we do on a Monday night? We, we round up all the internal bins and we throw it all in the outside bin. Now, I don't go out there and, and uh, run after the guys after they put it in the, in the back of the, 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 uh, the bin truck that's gone down the road. I don't run after them and go, I want that all back again. It's done away with. It's gone. It's out of my life and I forget about it. I put it in the bin because I don't want it anymore and I'm going to throw it out and it's, on the, it's dealt with. It's gone. It's out. The clutter's gone out of the house and it's been taken away, thankfully. And it's like that with our sin. It's like that with, with our brokenness, with the things that get in the way that have stopped us from journeying towards God. Jesus Christ says, give it to me and I will do away with it once and for all. And so we don't keep going back and back to it. We don't keep turning around and going the other way. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we keep journeying in that direction. And that's the message that we need to give to people around us. It's not one of guilt. It's not one of, of you know, you've got to be good enough and you've got to follow these rules and these regulations. It's one of freedom and one of joy. Because when we are following God's way, all the blessings of God that He's promised start to become ours in our lives. When we're following in His direction, the peace of God and the love of God and the fellowship with God and the power of God and the beauty of God and the, and the transformation of God start to become part of who we are in our lives. And that's what the, the Word says is our fruit. Jesus said, by the fruit you will know. By the spiritual fruit that people are, are, are exhibiting throughout their character, you will know as soon as they start following that direction of God. And that's what we tell People. Because if you love someone, you want them the best for them. And the best is to follow Jesus Christ and to have that relationship with them. A wonderful example of this is found in John chapter 8. You know, I love this story. In John 8, there's that story of the woman who's caught in adultery. And the Pharisees bring her and they want to stone her, but they want to trap Jesus at the uh, uh, as well. And so in order to, to do that, they, they say, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? And do you remember Jesus? He bends down and he starts to write on the ground with a finger. And he, when they kept on questioning it, he straightened up and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down and he wrote on the ground again. At this, all those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left, the woman standing there. You see, in that moment, there was that repentance, right? There was that change of heart. There was that change of, uh, of way. There was that way in which Jesus said, you know what? The debt's been paid, right? Nobody's here. Nobody has a right to, to judge anybody else because they're all just as guilty as you are. But 
Listen to what he says. The debt's been paid. Woman, where are they? He says, has no one condemned you? Is there no one here to judge you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. See, what Jesus is doing is not only offering the cancellation, but he's saying to her, now turn around. Don't go back to the old way that's getting you further away from God, but turn around on that journey. Turn around in that, in that, you know, that rural pathway and start heading towards God because I've given you a new start and a fresh chance. And that's the beauty of what we can offer to other people around us. That is the Great Commission. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. So he says, first, the means of carrying it out is to, you have to speak that. You can't just show that through your life. You need to tell people that good news. Secondly, this is the good news about repentance and about forgiveness. The third thing he says is the manner in which we do it. He said, preached in his name and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. When we say it's in his name, that means that it's under his authority, the ecstasy and the kratos of God. It's under, we have the same authority that Jesus Christ has. Paul says, we are now co-heirs with Christ. We have that same opportunity, that same responsibility, but also that same power and that same authority. He says, doesn't he, um, as we read in, in, uh, in John's uh, gospel, you know, you Whatever you say is forgiven will be forgiven, and whatever is not, you know, you say is not forgiven is not going to be forgiven, right? You have the same power and authority that Jesus Christ has. And he says we've got the same dunamis power, that power to perform miracles, as it said in Mark's gospel. You can do all these things in my name because, you know, you're my representatives, and therefore you have my authority, you have my position, you have my power, the dunamis power that comes through the Holy Spirit. But we always need to do that in love. 1 Corinthians 13 reminds you of that uh, amazing passage because it says to us that love has to be the motivating force. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, "If let me show you the X one. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. You know, the same manner of Jesus, Jesus, like that woman in adultery, he showed love to that woman, and we need to make sure we do the same. It's an abuse when you try and use the power of God and the position of God that he has given to us, but you don't do it through the channel of love, then you're not doing it in his name. Because in his name is both using that power and that authority, but it's channeling it through, the, through a, a, an agape love that says the person to which is this, this power and authority is being uh, received into, it needs to be done with love, their best interests at heart. I want to elevate them. I want to encourage them. I want them to have the best. And that's my motivation for telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, if you really love someone, then you need to tell them about who Jesus is. Because how can we say that we have love if we don't give them the best? And the best is following Jesus. But we give them the freedom as well as we can explain it to them. To say, no, thank you, you know, I don't, I don't want that. 
that's not for me right now. And we respect that because God respects them and gives them that freedom too. But we need to share that message with them in the love and with the power and the authority, with the Holy Spirit flowing through you and me as channels of God's grace. And who do we share it with? Well, it says, doesn't it, at the end of verse 47, to all nations. Nations is, in the Greek, it's ethnos, ethnicity. It's the same word that we get ethnicity from. To everybody, in other words. Doesn't matter what, where they're from, what their background is, doesn't matter who they are. You share that same message of love because that's a message that Jesus wants to give to every single person. Luke uh, 2 verse 10, he said, When the angels came speaking to the shepherds, I bring you great news of great joy for all people. Not just for you, not just for the people of Israel, but for everyone. And when Simeon, do you remember, was holding baby Jesus in the temple, he said, you know what? You're going to be a blessing for all, all people. The same word for, for eth ethnos. For everyone will be blessed through you. Not just for the people of Israel, but every single person needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And where do we start? Well, we start, he says here, beginning at Jerusalem. You start where you are. Now notice Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place where, where they just a few days before shouted crucify. It was the place where people had nailed Jesus to the cross. It was the place where the disciples were in hiding for fear of their lives. And he says, this is the place where you need to start, the hardest place of all. You know, they could have just sent them back up to the north, up to Galilee again, and say, hey, why don't you start here where Jesus started his ministry, back up in Nazareth, up in the north. Why don't you start there? It's safe up here. You're away from all the politics, away from the people that killed Jesus. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, start where it's the most difficult. Start in the place where you least want to start. Start where the people are most against me. That's where you will see the power of God at work. And so we need to be in the place where God has called us to be. Geography is vital. If you're in the place where God has put you, then you will have that power and authority and that love and, and the, the, the fruits of God speaking through you as you express that, uh, that good news to the people around you. But if you're in the wrong place, then, then the power of God somehow doesn't seem to work in those places. You need to be where God has placed you. And he's placed you strategically in your place of work, in the school where you are, with your neighborhood, in your family. You are the person that God wants to use to bring about transformation and change and that offering of good news into people's lives. So there are a number of things that this passage, just one verse, says to us. Firstly, we need to speak it out. We need to learn how to speak about the good news. Secondly, it tells us what the good news is. We have to keep the good news the good news. It's about repentance and forgiveness of sin. Thirdly, we speak it in His name. So it's as though you are being Jesus Christ to the people that you're sharing it with. Fourthly, we, we preach to all the nations. So you preach to whoever God brings into your sphere of influence whoever God brings there that's who you preach to you don't make any difference to who the audience is because everybody needs to hear and lastly you start where you are start where God has placed you right now 
You know, don't wait until I'm somewhere else. Wait until this or that or the other. Start where the disciples were told to start where they were. And we need to do the same. God has placed you here in your in your family, in your neighborhood, with your, you know, the street where you live, with your neighbors, with your friends, everywhere. That's where you need to start preaching the message of Jesus Christ. Somebody said it like this, the disciples were the to use the right means, with the right content, in the right manner, to the right audience, in the right place. And when you do that, the fruit is going to be tremendous. You know, God has called us to be those messengers, to bring the good news. How wonderful are the feet of those who bring good news, it says in Romans 10. And that is what you and me are called to do. I remember when I was 20 years of age and I was out in Africa as a missionary and I was sitting there when I first got there in my mud hut that I was uh, my, my little home there in the middle of uh, Uganda and I suddenly thought to myself what am I going to say if somebody comes and asks me to explain the good news of Jesus Christ. If somebody was to come and ask me about how I become a Christian what do I actually say to them? How will I lead them to Jesus Christ? And I suddenly realized, even though I'd grown up in church and I'd been in church 20 years of my life up to that point, I didn't have an answer to that question. And here I am as a missionary in Uganda, and I don't know how to bring people to Jesus. I sat down and I prayed and I read the scriptures and I said, Lord, you better show me because I'm trusting you to bring people who will ask that very question. And I sat there and I prayed and I read and I asked God to help and the Spirit showed me what to say, how to say it so that it makes sense to me. I'm going to challenge you this week. Challenge you to talk to another believer about how you would explain the good news. Get them, do some role play with them over the telephone, over Zoom or Maybe go for a walk with them in the park or whatever it is, right? But I challenge you this week to find someone. It can be someone you know really well. It doesn't matter who it is. But say, can I explain to you the good news of Jesus Christ? Can I effectively lead you to Jesus? This is how I would explain the good news. This is what repentance is. This is what forgiveness is. This is who God is. This is what sin and why sin is a problem. This is really what it's all about. Explain it to them. And, and you may struggle and you may question and allow them to question you. And in that, then revise how you would do it. But it needs to be genuine to you. Use examples from your life. Use examples about how, how it's made a difference in your life. Explain it to them. And as you do that, you know what Jesus did when I was in Uganda? Straight after I'd done that, he started bringing people. Bringing people towards me who said, how do I become a believer in Jesus Christ? This is what I want from my life. And it was because I'd sat down and I'd figured it out through the scriptures about what to say. And then God used me as a channel of, of that to bring good news to those people there. And he's done that ever since. And he wants to do that through you too. So challenge you this week. Find someone that you can talk to. And just express to them how you would explain the good news of Jesus Christ to them. 
And then ask God to use you in whatever way, shape or form so that the conversation will come. You don't have to orchestrate it. God will enable it to come where you will have an opportunity to share that message to others. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have decided to use us. We're not worthy, but you decide you have chosen us and sent us out as your followers to be messengers of good news. And that means we have to speak it, so we have to understand it in our hearts and our lives, and we have to have a, a kind of a language that makes sense to us and a way that we can explain it that makes sense to each one of us. Help us this week to figure that out, because then I know that you will give us opportunities to put that into practice. There is nothing more beautiful. There is no, no situation that is more amazing than when we see somebody who was walking down a road one way turn and start to walk towards you. It is the most sweetest, the most beautiful moment in life. Lord, I pray that that may be a reality for every single believer, that we would bring people to know you. We would offer the good news to people around us, giving them the, the freedom to accept or reject because we offer it with love and openness. But we offer it because we, wanted, we have a, a great desire to see them blessed and see them be a blessing as you have blessed and continue to pour blessing through each of us. We thank you and we praise you for these words, Jesus, that you gave all those years ago to your disciples. And you still give to us as you send us out to be your ambassadors, to be your witnesses, to be the feet of those who bring good news to people around us. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.